You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Amen. Thanks, Natalie. Let's hear it for Natalie. Oh, I walked in this morning and heard uh, the band just worshiping and singing, and I was like, man, it just felt awesome just to walk in, and all of them are so talented and so gifted, um, and I just felt like this peace come over my heart and my soul. So thank you, uh, worship team, for continuing to lead us to the presence of the Lord together. Let's hear it for the band. Come on. Well, happy Memorial Day. I hope you guys are celebrating well. You're going to take some much-needed time off to rest and to enjoy. Um, But we can't do any of that without remembering um, the fact that there were uh, men and women who have given their lives uh, for you and for me to be meeting in this place today. That we have the freedom to sit here uh, and stand here and enjoy the reading of the Word of God because... Men and women have given their lives for that freedom. Um, So I just want to take a moment um, and just remember all of those who have served. If you want to bow your head, if you just want to sit there uh, and just take a moment to remember uh, what the the Lord has enabled us to to be as a nation because of men and women uh, that have given their lives. Father, you are so, so good. And we thank you that we can open up your word uh, in full freedom, without fear of anybody coming in the back doors to um, stop us from looking at your words to us and understanding who you are um, and what you have done for us because you love us and you desire a relationship with us. Um, God, we know that we meet today with uh, tons of other churches, not only in our community uh, that we partner with, uh, like uh, Byron at at Westminster or the guys over at Summit or Crossroads, David Gold, um, uh, right next door, Redeemer uh, and Sam. God, uh, but we also gather with the church universal. God, every church that stands firm on you being the way, the truth, and the life. And, um, and some of those churches, God, don't have the freedoms that we do to meet in a place like this and to, to divide your word, but that they have to, under persecution and under hardship, uh, find moments uh, and glimpses of times where they can uh, sneak away with your word just to hear it, God. And so I pray that we would never take our freedoms for granted, the ability that we have to come and gather and worship your name. And so, God, I pray that we would uh, fall more and more in love with you today, um, that we would, uh, that your spirit would stir in us something new and fresh for your name, for your glory. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So death, war, sickness, um, it is a part of our world. Uh, bad things do happen. Um, raise your hand if you've ever had a bad day. Anybody? Okay, good. So I'm not alone in this. Um, and, and bad days, uh, they definitely not only affect you, um, but they affect the people around you. Agreed? Um, so uh, yesterday, um, 
I definitely had one of those days where I just was, felt, felt like I was being attacked. I woke up. Uh, what, what the, the, the thing that we say in America is like we woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I don't know why because I was on the this normal side of the bed that I normally sleep on. But uh, I just woke up grumpy, um, and that carried throughout my day. And it all culminated with us going out to dinner. Um, and it was actually really good. It's a place called Taco Works over in Cape Coral. If you've never been there, go. It's good stuff. Um, and as we were driving home, we went with our neighbors, and they were driving in front of us. And we pulled into my driveway, and he gets out of his car, and he's like, hey, man, your headlight, like, keeps going in and out. I'm like, ah, oh. and this headlight has been giving me issues for forever, and so um, I was like, oh, this is easy, because I already bought the two-pack, and I already changed it once, so I had another bulb, and just have to stick my hand in there, turn the bulb, pull out, you know, done, right? No. Uh, and so uh, I open up my engine, but, you know, and I, I start doing and this thing is just stuck, and I cannot get the light bulb out, which should have been a quick twist pull, uh, was not, and so my family all jumped on the golf cart and, and went down with the neighbors, and I stayed there in the heat, the sweltering Florida heat, trying to get this thing out, and, uh, and I popped this light out and didn't realize that I broke my headlight, um, and so the piece that was not supposed to come out, the housing of this bulb, came out, um, and, uh, and in the process of doing that, I was trying to look at other parts of my engine, and so I uh, twisted off a cap uh, off, off of another part of the headlights um, because I wanted to see what this housing looked like and uh, dropped that into my engine, and so that landed at the bottom of the thing. Um, and all the while that's happening, I kept looking down, and there were like 50 mosquitoes around my ankles, um, and so like my ankles now are swollen because of these mosquitoes. Um, and at one point, I, like, I was just like, could this get any worse? Like, I'm just like pouring sweat. I was angry, and this all culminated. And, and we find ourselves in those moments, uh, in bad days where loneliness and sin and mosquito bites and failed house projects, house projects just all kind of culminate. Um, and in the midst of all of that, right, I'm trying to get my head on right because i got to preach a sermon in the morning. Um, and... We fail to remember that even in the worst of our days, that we have access to God. Access to, to the one who said, trees, and there were trees, and oceans. The one who separated the waters and made clouds and the waters. The one who created the cow that we grind up and put on the taco that we enjoy. That God, that we have full, complete access to him. In the worst of our days, in our brokenness, in our failures, when we feel like the devil is closing in on us and pressing in like a lion trying to devour its prey, we have access to God. Paul understood bad days. That's the writer of this letter. This, this writer is writing a letter to a church whom he loved, and he really truly understood bad days. And he understood that everyone is broken. Everyone is going to experience those bad days. And we need a Savior, a Savior to save us from the worst of the worst, our loneliness our addictions, our hurts, our pains, that we have a Savior that loves us and gave himself for us. And so what we saw last week is that Jesus came to break down the walls of hostility. Now those walls of hostility are broken down between 
people groups, so different ethnicities, different people groups, as well as the hostility between us and God, because we are sinners. We have this separation between us and God, but Jesus came to break down the walls so that we can have full access to him without having to uh, complete some kind of a sacrificial system. So a lot of times in our world today, everything is focused in on religion, the things that we have to do in order to get right with God. And so we see in the Old Testament this religion that's put into place where people had to create and do these sacrifices in order to atone or get right with God. But Jesus came to break down those walls. He came to break down the walls of hostility between us and God to be our direct access, our complete access to God himself. And that allows us to be united United between different ethnicities, races, different um, uh, levels of, of income, different, different political parties. Like he's come to unite all things, all people into one. And that's where we come into in verse 18. So all of that to say, now we're going into verse 18 and we're just going to stay there. Is that cool with you? If we just stay in verse 18 today? Let me read this. For through him, who is that? Jesus. For through Jesus, we both, this is Jew and Gentile, this is all people groups, all ethnicities, everybody, all one, we have now access in one spirit to the Father. So what is this access? The, the Greek word there, and the reason why I share the Greek is because that's what this original letter was written in. And so when Paul is writing, he's writing this letter in Greek. So it's important sometimes for us to go back and, and look at some of these words uh, in the original text. Because sometimes in translations, the, the robustness of these words begins to lose some flavor, if you will. And so it's prosagogai, which uh, if you break that word down, means with and towards, and then to come. So to come towards. To have access with intimate, face-to-face interaction. All three occasions where this word comes refers to having audience or direct access with God. So this is not a partial access. This is not sneaky access. Anybody like watching spy movies? Just me? Okay, I'm the only one in the room. That like, anybody like watching spy movies? Okay, right? So in spy movies, what happens, right? Someone has to go break into a, a room to get something out of a safe, right? They want to steal something out of this safe, so what they do is they have to sneak into this building, they have to get past all the guards, right? And then they get to the room, and then there's a panel always. There's always a panel that they have to break into on the wall, and so they, they have to, like, steal somebody's thumbprint off a glass, and then they steal that thumbprint, and they get it on the thing, and then, then they have this machine that they put up against it, and it figures out the code, then the door opens, but then they have to go into the room, right, and then crack the safe. And while they're doing over that, what are they doing the entire time? They're looking over their shoulder. The entire time, they're looking around, waiting and watching to find, make sure that nobody has, has come to find them, sneaking in to get access to the thing that they want. And without fail, every time, they're caught, right? They're always caught, and then there's this battle scene, and, we, and we, that's why we watch these movies, right? We, we want to see these things. Um, that's partial access. That's sneaky access. That's not what this is talking about. This is a full access to the God and the creator of the universe. And I think often that when we talk about having this direct access to God, that um, we almost feel like we are going to have access until something is found out. 
almost as if we're looking over our shoulder like, hey, I'm going to go pray to God or read his word, but if my wife finds out about this or my kids find out about this or my neighbor hears about this, then all of a sudden I'm going to be found out and then I'm not, no longer going to have that access. That's a works-based theology. That we all of a sudden think that the only way we can have access is if we're perfect. But we have to remember, this is not a sneaking into God's presence. But actually, he has opened the door for us. And he has given us full access to him through the person of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to look over our shoulder anymore. We don't have to wonder if all of a sudden something's going to come up to steal that access from us. We have it. It is full, and it is complete. That's the type of access. Like, I don't know about you, but this just blows my mind that in the presence of the creator of all things, I belong. And in my belonging, I am fully known There is nothing that anyone in this room could ever, ever hide in the presence of God. And he still receives you. Does that not blow your mind? That like he knows you better than you do. And still he loves you. Still you belong in his presence. Still he desires you and wants you to be there. So we stop looking over our shoulder. But how do we have this access? Well, here's the the problem. At one point, every one of us has experienced this. At one point, we were denied. Our access was denied. This is what we've seen all in Ephesians chapter 2. That we were dead. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says we were separated alienated, strangers to God. In Romans 5.10, another letter that Paul wrote, he even used the word that we are enemies of God. Like if the place that we want to be is in the presence of God, fully known, fully loved, with full belonging, like if that's the place that we want to be, that we at one point, every single person in the entire world, no exceptions, all means all, that we were strangers and aliens, that we were enemies, that we were separated. But now we have been given access. How? Well, I love this verse because it is one of the clearest verses of Trinitarian language, the Trinity, that there is the Father, and there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit, and it actually sheds light on how this all works together because we believe in one God, in three persons, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, but what does that even mean? Well, look at that. That we get this access through Jesus, by the Spirit, to the Father. Like, this is beautiful that we are seeing how this works and how this plays out. And I, I know we're not going to be able to break that down fully, but, but one of the things Tim and I, one of the other elders have been talking about is um, we're going to start uh, in, in August doing some um, what... I think the traditional like church would call a Sunday school, um, right? That, uh, we're going to open up some times before service starts so we can break some of this stuff down. So we're going to talk about the Trinity, talk about theology in a deeper way for those that really want to dive in. So we don't have time to go through it all now. 
But what this means is that we are fully secure in our access. Jesus, who is God, was wrapped in human flesh and sent down into our broken world, into our mess, to live lives that we couldn't live, to die a death that we could never die, a death of sacrifice in his perfection, and then defeats death because he raises again from death, hell, and the grave. And so, so Jesus stands before the Father continually, right now, and intercedes on your behalf before the Father. And then God has placed the Spirit inside of us that is continually praying on our behalf, continually leading and guiding and convicting us so that we will be led before the presence of God. Where are we seeing this? Look at this. A little later on, we're going to break this down in, in about a couple months, but Ephesians 3.12 This is Paul, and he says, In whom, Jesus, we have boldness and confidence and access through faith in Jesus. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. A little later on in Hebrews 7.25, It said, he is able to save the uttermost. You want to know who's the uttermost? You. (laughs) Me. I'm the uttermost. That the worst of the worst, he is able to save the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him, Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Like, you have a God that is standing in a holy place, interceding for you day in and day out. So like when you have those moments where you feel like, oh no, I don't belong in God's presence. Does the devil ever whisper that to you? Does the devil, like when you're struggling with sin, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's just uh, anger, maybe it's frustration, you call it frustration, but really it's loneliness and anger and depression and anxiety and loneliness, right? You ever struggle with those things and then feel like, I can't read the Bible right now. God doesn't want to hear from me. Or I can't pray right now because I just yelled at my kids or I just yelled at my wife. God doesn't want to hear from me. In those moments, you have to remember that Jesus himself is standing before a holy God saying, hey, hey, I know John just did that, but he's with me. I know Miguel, you know, he did that, but he's with me. Like, you believe in Jesus, and in that belief, he is interceding on your behalf. Day in, day out, every moment, every second, telling God, he's mine. That's good news for us. It's good news for me because I mess up often. And often the devil whispers in my ear, God wants nothing to do with you. And it's in those moments I have to remember. That's why memorizing scripture is so important. I have to remember that I have full access to God and he wants me to be in his presence even in my sin. I don't have to clean myself up before I go to my father. 
I hope that's something that my daughters, Selah, I hope you remember that. You never have to clean yourself up or, or get right or get better before you come to dad and ask for forgiveness. I hope you know that. That I will always forgive you because I love you. And we have a God that loves each and every one of us the same. There's nothing bad you will ever, ever do. There's nothing bad you will ever, ever do to make God love you less. But what's crazy is there's nothing more you can ever do to make him love you more. He loves you all the same. You are fully loved right where you are at. Right now, Caleb, you are loved. And so, that gives us some practical points of ask, access to God. What are these practical points of access? So it's, it's we get this access through Jesus, by the Spirit, to the Father. But, but then we have these practical things that God has actually given us. These are ways for us to engage in his presence. One is this, right? Meeting together, listening to the word, singing songs together, praying together, living life in community together. Like that's where we can experience the presence of God. But then he gives us two things, his word and prayer. These are practical points of access that we have to understand and know who God's, God is. So the word. We have to stop seeing this as a self-help book, like a list of do's and don'ts. In here is the key to what brings life and joy and also warns us it will only bring death. That's what this is. This is going to tell you what brings life and joy, and it will help steer you away from what only will bring you death and destruction in your life. Now, sometimes when we read this, we go, yeah, but I want to do this because this makes me feel good. But what we have to understand is that everything in here is meant to tell us what will bring us life and what will cause us or lead us away from what will only bring death and destruction. And so... The only logical reason we wouldn't read this is because we have been sold a lie that this is a self-help book to go to only when you need something. This is a love letter written to help us know the only way to a full and abundant life. So if you're a, a college student here today, and you're struggling with identity and direction and relationships, this is where you go to receive life and direction. Not scrolling through Instagram. If in your marriage you're struggling and you're disconnecting with your spouse, this is where you go to find life and joy and to reignite a spark. Because you know what this is going to tell you? Husbands, it's going to say, stop being selfish and lay down your life. That's what it's going to say. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Take your desires and throw them in the trash. And serve and lay down your, your life for your wife. Wives, submit to your husband, not because he's knocking it out of the park. Submit to your husband, not because he's an awesome man. Submit to your husband as unto the Lord. 
Because of what God has done for you, submit to your husband. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger, but lead them to God's throne of grace with confidence. This is where we find what will bring life in our marriages, life in our parenting, life in our college years. Middle schoolers, I can't imagine, high schoolers, what you guys are going through right now. Like, the world is crazy, and it's throwing all sorts of stuff at you. And friends are, like, like stabbing you in the back at every turn, and, like, you are just trying to navigate some crazy things in this world. This is where you will find hope. This is where you will find joy. Go to this before you go to all the things that the world is going to tell you brings you hope and life. So this is the word of God. And the devil wants to keep you away from this. That's, that's something we have to understand. The devil wants to keep you away from this. And so you're going to open it and you're going to be like, ah, I got nothing out of that. You're going to open it in your times of need and you're going to, I, I forgot when it was, but I opened this up and started reading about like um, food laws. And I'm like, how is that, how is that pertinent to me to, right now? Because we do this drop and flop. And we just think, oh, if God really wants to speak to me, he's going to just, we have to be intentional with this, right? And if you sit down and you start reading it and you don't understand it, the beauty of living in community is that there are people in your life that you can call and that you can read this together with. Faye, one of our beloved sisters, is in the hospital. She's had a rough go for the last couple of weeks um, they punctured one of her lungs in the process of, of some of the procedures that she's having. Um, they had to put in a pacemaker. Um, she's doing okay. She was up yesterday. I got to spend some time with her. Um, but one of the things she said, she, she has a great relationship with one of the ladies here, Paula. Um, and she said, hey, can you let Paula know? I want her to come and visit me, and I want to read the Bible with her. She's like, I'm really struggling with some things that I don't understand, and I want her to read the Bible with me. Man, if we all had that posture. We all had the posture of just saying, hey, I want to call up Tim. I want to call up Ben. I just want to read the Bible together so we can process it. If, if this right now to you seems mundane or you feel like you're not getting anything, chances are you're not living in biblical community. So join a community group. Ask somebody, and if you're new to this church, we would love to plug you into that community. We would love to meet with you. I'd love to go grab coffee and lunch with you. And just sit and read this with you. And so that's what the word of God does for you. That's why scripture memory is such a powerful weapon that will give you victory against your deepest sins. That's why David, who by the way was a murderer and an adulterer. So he's, he's not a good guy in his flesh. But the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And this is why David wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. That's why we need this. We need to open it. We need to read it. And it's not one of those things that's just a quick grab a verse and go. This isn't fast food. We need to sit with it and enjoy it. And then prayer. Prayer is with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And I, I do believe that the only logical reason why we would not pray is because we do not believe that prayer works. Because if we really believed that prayer works, I think we would pray more. Now, now, I want to have a little, little honest conversation here. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever knocked on wood. Okay? 
I want you to raise your hand if you've ever taken salt and thrown it over your shoulder. Has anybody been around a ladder and like they went to like go walk and all of a sudden like they realized they were about to walk under it and they like took a different path? <laughs> Superstitions. How many of you have a penny that you found that was on heads? Yeah. Why, why, how many of you have left a penny because it was on tails? We don't need the penny, right? Penny in our world today is, is like nothing, right? But if it's on heads, all of a sudden it's worth something. Oh, maybe we'll have good luck today. If we begin treating prayer like knocking on wood and throwing salt over our shoulder, then we're missing the whole reason God gave us prayer. Prayer is an interaction between us and God. And prayer can change the world. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, I have so much to do today. Anybody busy? I have so much to do today that I must spend my first three hours in prayer. You know what our busyness does to us? It causes us to pray less. If we only had the perspective of someone that understood what it meant to change the world through our prayers. Parents, are you fearful right now for one of your kids, one of your children, one of your grandchildren? My encouragement to you is pray. Get on your knees and pray. Are you struggling with a decision at work? Maybe a decision in a relationship. Maybe you're, you're seeing somebody and you're, you're in this dating relationship and you're like, I don't know if this is the person that God has, has set aside for me. Or maybe you feel alone because you haven't found that person yet. Right? The one that, 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 that person that you're going to spend your life with and, and you've kind of put all your hopes and dreams on that. Or maybe you're just really desiring to have a baby. It's not happened yet. And you're, you're going through the, the adoption process and, and there's roadblocks that are being put in your way. Sit before God and pray. And you're like, I've done that. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because prayer is not a superstition. Prayer is an opportunity for you and me to go before God and engage with him in full access to him. And he will answer your prayer. But that answer may not be what you expect. And so sometimes we go to God because he's like a genie in a bottle. Right? If, if we just, you know, God, if I can only ask one thing, if you just do this, right? If I get, right? And so we don't ask God things because we're afraid we're going to use up our three wishes. God is not a genie. He knows what's best for you. And so sometimes we just need to sit and here's the good news about prayer. When we don't know what to say, the Bible says that the Spirit of God prays on our behalf, groans with words too deep for words to come off our lips. So maybe there are times you just need to sit and rest and know that He is God and He is good. And in those moments where you're feeling lonely and broken and hurting, that you are fully loved, that you are fully known, and that you belong right there in those moments. And so, what does this access provide for us? It, it provides presence with our 
Father. Now, I know I say that and, and I, I use that language because that's the language that the, the, the Word of God uses. God, throughout all of Scripture, is called our Father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he says, Our Father who art in heaven. But the problem is for some of us, the idea of a father may be broken. I know that in a lot of ways, the way I treat my daughters, I've got four daughters, the way I treat them will affect how they see God. And that scares me. Because I am a poor example of who God is. But I love what I heard one time is that God is not a replication of our earthly father. He's the perfection of what a father should be. God is the perfect father who is always accessible. I may not be always accessible for my girls, but God is. And my response will always be less than perfect, but God's response is always perfect. And so sometimes we have to break down our understandings of even the word father to truly understand what the father is. Because we start projecting onto him, oh, you're distant because my dad was distant. Or, or you don't want to give me good things because my dad never gave me good things. That's not who God is. God defines what a father should be. And he is the perfection of a father. And so we get access to our father. And, and that access to our father provides what we see in verse 17. Peace. We live in an anxious world. And the access that we get to our Father, that full access, provides us peace. A peace that transcends, goes higher than any understanding that we could ever have. And then it also gives us the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I love what David says in Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life. And in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I know for some of you, you're searching for this path and you're like, all right, God, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do after college or I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do in this relationship. And you're trying to, trying to find like, the sweet spot and I want you to know that the path that God has you on is to know more of him. There may not be the perfect job. There may not be the perfect spouse. And in fact, I could probably promise you neither one of those things will ever be perfect. But in those things, you have a father who is fully present. And in those things, as long as you are loving him and loving others and making disciples, he will give you the fullness of joys and pleasures forevermore. And then this access to our Father provides family. Verses 14 through 18, this is what Paul is trying to get at. Through this whole passage, he's saying, I have united this church, these people, so that we could be one. He's provided us with family. This new position in Christ gives us a new community to access the Father together. That's why we do this. And so how should we respond? We need to fight daily to remember that we have access. What do I mean by that? Like, when I'm tugging on the light bulb, trying to get it out of my car, I have to fight to remember that I have the fullness of the presence of God with me in that moment. Like, that should cause me to pause. That should cause me to take those frustrations that I want to, like, slam my fist down on the front of the car and go, I have the full access to the God of the universe. And it's not like I could just be like, all right, God, help me do this, and then jiggle it and be like, oh, he didn't answer my prayer. 
know that in those moments of my frustration, in those moments of sin, in the, those moments of brokenness, that, that I can sit before a father and receive peace. I woke up this morning with that same unsettledness that I had all day yesterday. And just coming to the Bible and starting to even look through these things, like, if you're, it's okay with you guys, like, I'm just preaching to myself this morning. Like, as I'm reading this, I'm going, thank you, Lord. Like, I need this in my life. And so the hope would be is that we remember every single day and that we would fight every single day to remember that we have that fullness of access to the God of the universe. So in all of the messiness of life, that we can go to God. Brother Lawrence is an old monk, old theologian that wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And he understood this because he said that every moment of my day, he was the cook in the kitchen of a monastery that he would remember he was in the presence of the Lord. And then in the moments where he forgot that he was in the presence of the Lord, he said, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Because I just reminded myself that even when I failed to remember that I had access, that I still had that same access, and I was still in his presence because he is everywhere. And so in those moments, I didn't beat myself up, but I just remembered, oh yeah, I have access. And we need to fight for that. Work is hard. Marriage can be difficult. Being a kid is really tough. Young professionals determining your life plans is crazy. Being single, looking for someone that's difficult. But you have access to God. Don't try to do it alone. Don't try to take on life alone. Don't try to white-knuckle it and just get through. You have access to God. Amen? Can I pray for us? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word and the beauty of this passage of scripture that clearly defines for us the fact that we have access through your son Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. So Spirit, I pray that you would stir in us an understanding of your word and of this access every day, every moment of every day. That Jesus, you, that you will remind us continually that you are standing before a holy God interceding on our behalf. God, if there's anybody in here right now that, that doubts the fact that they are loved, they are known, and that they belong, I pray right now you would do only what you can do and stir our hearts to know that we are loved and that we are fully known and that we have access forevermore. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would, would look with eager expectation to the day where you come and you return and you call us home and that we get to spend eternity in the fullness of your presence. But here and now, while we live on this broken earth, God, I pray that your spirit, your word would continually help us know that you are God and that you love us. This is in your name we pray. Amen. On your chairs are these little cards. This is just a simple tool. Um, I don't know who came up with it. I think everybody and their mom is going to claim this as theirs, so there's no copyright on it. Um, I did not come up with this. Um, but this is, this is just something. I put this on my girls' walls. Um, I made it a little bigger than this. But I think this is just a way for us. If you're struggling with prayer right now, and you're like, man, I just don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to start. 
uh, put this in your Bible. Take, like, I don't want any of these left on the chairs, so take a bunch of them. Hand them out to friends. Hand them out to families. If you don't have one, I'm sure there's one on the chair in front of you. Um, just pop over during worship and grab it. Um, but it's this prayer acronym. So it, it, the acronym is PRAY, and it's praise, repent, ask, and yield. And so when you are praying, you say, God, I praise you for. It's a great way to start. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise be your name. Right? So pray. You praise him. And then you repent. You say, I'm sorry for. And I, I, I use the word sorry, not I repent, because that word sorry is true to our language. I don't know if you've ever had to say you're sorry to somebody. But it's okay to go before God and just say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being frustrated yesterday. I'm sorry for, for throwing the wrench I was using. I'm sorry for, for yelling at my kids. And then ask the Lord to do something. Stop thinking that asking God for stuff for yourself is selfish. It's not. Like it's actually prideful. Ask God for things for yourself and those around you. I do think that we are more often willing to pray for things for other people than ourselves. Because if you ask someone for a prayer request, normally they'll respond with pray for my aunt or my grandma or my this. Pray for yourself. You need it. I promise you need it. So ask God to do something in your heart, in your mind. And then yield just means to say amen. Let it be so. Because you trust that God will do more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Would you stand with us as we continue in worship?